Good morning, church. Praise God and happy Easter to everybody. Christ is risen. <laughs> That's our major celebration today is that Christ is risen. Now, Christ is risen is actually an ancient greeting. In the early days of Christianity, when brothers and sisters would meet each other, they would say, Christ is risen. And the other one would respond, He is risen indeed. Okay? So let's try that. I'm going to say, Christ is risen. And you respond, He is risen indeed. Are you ready? Christ is risen. Amen. To everyone watching online, to everyone present, to everyone listening to this message, Christ is risen. Amen. And that's what we are celebrating today. It's such a joy to be together and to celebrate this season of the year. It is the most important holiday in the Christian calendar. Amen. And so it is wonderful to be together. Thanks for everybody that's been participating online and uh, in person on our Easter celebration, the Thursday night service. What a wonderful time of worship we had here. And it continues today, okay? There will be a little bit more worship in the end of the service as well. And you're free to come and visit the stations if you want to and just spend some time uh, connecting with the Lord privately. So, um, <laughs> you know, on a day like this, when we preach about you know, Easter, when everybody already knows <laughs> what you are celebrating. Everybody already knows what I'm going to preach about. <laughs> it's so strange. What, what do I come and say here, you know? What do I say? Uh, but, and, and there are days on the Christian calendar where, you know, we, we celebrate them every year. And every time we come to church, we know what you're going to listen to. If you come to church in the end of the year, in, in, in December... What are you going to hear about? Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, you know, and, and so forth. So there are these, these main days. In a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be talking about the Ascension. They're going to be talking about Pentecost. You know, they are set dates where we know what you're talking about. And then in these times, we just come together and we tell again the story of our faith. And today, we are celebrating the most important event in Christianity. And as I said some weeks back, repeating is good. Both Paul and Peter kept repeating important things to the, uh, to the people they wrote to, to the people they spoke to, because it is for our good and our safety. So how can telling the story okay, of the resurrection of Jesus again <laughs> be for our good and for our safety? Well, simply because it is the only story which brings true hope and helps us to make sense of life, of the present and of the future, of the present world and of the world to come. You see, the resurrection of Jesus makes all the difference. Listen carefully. Listen carefully to today's message. The resurrection of Jesus makes all the difference. All religions, if you look at the religions around the world, all religions have leaders. They've got founders, they've got prophets, they've got gurus, they've got masters. But none have had the impact which Jesus had. None, none of those leaders made the claims that Jesus made. None of those leaders fulfilled prophecies in their lifetimes as Jesus did. And none of them were murdered, 
buried and then rose again like Jesus did. With historical proof. Amen. By coming back to life again, Jesus showed us that there is life after this life. And he invites us into this new life by following him. All religions have codes of conduct. They've got moral values. And all aspire to get closer to a higher being or a higher power. But Jesus not only gives us a pattern to live by, a code of conduct, but he declares himself to be God the Son, who gives us access to God the Father through faith in him. You see, Christianity rests on the certainty that Jesus' resurrection is a historic event. It is central, a central point and pillar to the Christian faith. Listen, the gospel, which means good news, <laughs> it would hardly have been good news if Jesus had remained dead. Huh? What if you came together today to remember that three days ago Jesus died and was buried? And let's today remember what a good and wonderful man he was. What point would that be? There have been many good and wonderful men, leaders, you know, political, spiritual, community leaders, which have done wonderful things for people. And we remember them. But it's a memory of someone who did and is gone. Christianity is different. Jesus is alive. And the good news is that he is alive. All four Gospels highlight it. Acts, the book of Acts, insists on it and present it as the main reason for ministry and preaching the gospel. Paul regards the resurrection as indisputable proof that the message about Jesus as judge and savior is true, and that apart from the resurrection, our ministry and faith are useless, futile, empty, and meaningless. Hmm. <laughs> Peter writes that it allows people to have a new and living hope. And John writes that it is the foundation for witness and fellowship with God. The resurrection of Jesus makes all the difference. You see, now that is assurance, and that is living hope, the title of the message today. Jesus, the living Jesus, is our living hope. Amen? So today, I want to read a portion of Scripture which is understood to be a first century hymn to the supremacy, the greatness of Jesus. It comes from the book of Colossians. And if you followed our study of Colossians last year, this passage will be familiar to you. It comes from chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. And it says the following, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created through him and for him. Guys, these are pretty inclusive words. It doesn't leave much out. He created everything. Now, he is, verse 17, is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, 
who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you and me, okay, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Guys, powerful words. We need to listen. We need to break this down a little bit. As we celebrate the risen Christ today, let us be reminded again of who Jesus is, of his work, and the hope it brings to us. Listen, Jesus, first of all, he's the image of the invisible God. That is what verse 15 says. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The Bible teaches us that God is spirit. Therefore, he is invisible. The Bible describes God as living in an unapproachable light that no man has seen or can see. That's in 1 Timothy 6, 16. If a human was to see that light, they would die. If you were to be exposed to the intensity of the light of God, your physical body wouldn't take it. You'd just evaporate. You would die. If you had seen God, you wouldn't be sitting here today because you'd be dead. Okay? Your physical body could never handle the power of that light. You've heard of laser light, and now laser light can cut through metal and through hard stuff. It's light, but when it's intensified, it cuts. Laser light is nothing compared to the intense light in which God lives. Therefore, our little human mortal bodies could not handle that kind of power. But Jesus is the image of God. We can see Jesus. We could see Jesus. And today, we can read about him, find out about his behavior, his character, his love. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen God. When Philip asked Jesus to show them the Father, what did Jesus say? He who has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus said. Why? Because Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. We have been created in the image of God, but Jesus is the full measure and image of God because he is God in a human body. The Greek word, for image used here means exact representation. So you've seen one, you've seen the other. When you get into the spiritual realm, you'll see that father and son are exactly the same. So the record that we have today, the writings that we have today of who Jesus was, what he did, and what he said, that is what God is like. You want to get to know God? Get to know Jesus. John wrote the following in John 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God 
and he is in closest relationship with the Father, made him known. Known. So Jesus, who is God, is in close relationship with God. He made Jesus known to us. So you get to know Jesus, you get to know who the Father is. Jesus also is supreme over all creation. Amen? So first of all, in relationship to God, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In relationship to creation, Jesus is supreme over all creation. Supreme, over and above, highest in authority, highest in power, preeminent. You know, you run out of words. Jesus is that. So in verse 15, it says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Now, the word firstborn here does not mean that Jesus was created first, all right? Some have misused this verse to say that Jesus is a created being, not so. The use of the word here means the right of inheritance. Remember, traditionally, um, in, and in many cultures still today, the firstborn has the right of inheritance. The firstborn gets a double portion of the inheritance. That's how it worked in the Jewish culture, Hebrew, Hebrew culture. The firstborn got a double portion of the inheritance. The others got one portion of it. And so it means in this sense, in this verse, that Jesus has the right of inheritance. Here it means his superiority over all creation. And that he is the ruler over all creation. You see, Jesus created all things. Verse 16, for by him all things, and the word all in Greek means all. Just like the word all in English means all, because that's what all means. Whatever you can think of, yes, that as well. Jesus created that. The moon, the stars, the planets, the, the, the whole you know, element table. He created everything. All things were created that are in heaven, even the things you can't see he created. Most of us haven't been to heaven, at least I haven't. But the things that are there that we haven't seen, he created too. The things on earth, the things we've seen, he created. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus created all things. Therefore, he cannot be part of the things he created. Therefore, he was not created. If he created, he's a creator, not a created being. He created all things in heaven and that are on earth. That's the Genesis account, isn't it? Jesus created the universe. This shows us again that Jesus is God. Because in Genesis we know that God created the universe. And now God reveals himself to us as a human. Not as a powerful, impressive, and, and militant human. But as a humble, approachable, loving human. Yet displaying supernatural powers. Amen? Indicating that his nature is of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were involved in the act of creation back there in Genesis. And again, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are involved in the act of redemption, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the renewing process which is going on. All things were created by Him, and it was good. After, God, after everything that God created, He said, it is good. 
And so the universe which God created is good. But sin came to spoil and take away from the beauty of creation and to break the relationship that man had with God. Now, in redemption, in the work of Christ, there is a work of recreation and restoration taking place. What you're celebrating today, what Jesus did and is still doing, is a work of recreation and restoration. Note that all things were created by Him and for Him. And the resurrection of Jesus is part of the process of restoring all things to Him. You see, in the end, Jesus inherits all things. First of all, he created all things, but he inherits all things. That is what he says in the last part of the verse, when he says that all things were created for him. Ultimately, our existence, the existence of the universe, is ultimately for Jesus. And that is what part of being the firstborn entails. He has the right to inheritance. All this is for him. And so Jesus is not only there at the beginning of all things as a creator, he's also there at the end of all things as the inheritor, the heir of creation. Verse 17 is mind-blowing. It says, and he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things consist. Two powerful statements of you. Number one is that Jesus existed before all things. Again, showing that Jesus was not a created being. Only God is eternal. And Jesus was there in eternity past before all things were created. And we have just read that Jesus is the one that created all things. We read the same thing in the, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. John says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing that was made was made. Okay? So if we read further in that chapter, we realize that when he's talking about, when he's talking about the word, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the word. Therefore, in the beginning, Jesus was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. That's what he's teaching over here. Amen? And so Jesus existed before creation. And then all things were made and created through him. So Jesus existed before all things. He created the all things. Now look at the last part of that verse. It says, in him all things consist. If you're breathing, say amen. amen. This verse says that Jesus sustains all things. You are alive right now because Jesus is sustaining your life. He is keeping this whole universe together. He's keeping the planets in their orbits. This earth is spinning and Jesus is keeping this earth from just blowing apart. If Jesus lets go of any aspect of the universe, this whole thing will disintegrate. He sustains all things. Jesus is not only the creator of the universe, he is also the sustainer of the universe. You see, after creation, 
God didn't just wind things down and then walk away and leave creation to be. No. He's ultimately involved, intimately involved in all of creation. And yet in Colossians, God's providential care of the universe, God's ongoing care is revealed as it shows us that Jesus is the sustaining power, the sustaining force that keeps this universe together. Wow. Every star, every planet, the galaxies, every atom, every molecule, every moment is completely and totally dependent on Jesus Christ. If Christ should cease to sustain, the creation would cease to exist. Now, we don't think about it, do we? We just get up in the morning, we go about our lives, brush our teeth, and go and do stuff. We never stop to think that our life is a miracle. It's being sustained by Jesus Christ. Yes, we know that our bodies are amazing machines from what we've studied. We know we live in a crazy, wonderful universe. But have you ever stopped to think that every single second you're alive, Jesus is keeping you together. He's keeping this planet together. He's keeping this world together. Hmm. So Christ is supreme over creation in the past, in the present, and in the future. He's supreme over all creation in the past because he's the creator of all things. He's the supreme uh, over creation in the present because he's the sustainer of all things. And he's the supreme over creation in the future because he's the heir of all things, which means he will keep on sustaining and enjoying everything he has created. He will ultimately inherit and reign over all things. So what do we mean when we say Jesus is the firstborn over all creation? Jesus created all things. Jesus inherits all things. Jesus existed before all things. Jesus sustained all things. You, 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 you'd find it very hard to find a stronger statement of Christ's supremacy and his divinity. Jesus is supreme over creation. That is who Jesus is in relationship to everything he created. But Jesus is also supreme over the church. In Colossians 1.18, it says, He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence, all right? So Jesus is the head of the church. When he says he at the beginning of the verse, that he is emphatic. He is the head of the body, says verse 18. It's, 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 it's an emphatic statement. He is the head of the body. No human being on earth is the head of the church. No apostle, no prophet, no pastor, no prophet, no pope, no reverend, no guru. <laughs> Jesus is the head of the church. Every other office that churches have in this world is subject to Jesus, to his command, to his authority, to his instructions. All of us are under Jesus. I am a shepherd of the flock, I don't own the flock. <laughs> Jesus tells us what to do. I'm subject to him. And so are you. Because he is our head. Yes, there is order in the church. God has put, you know, has organized the church. But everybody is still under him. None of us has dominion over each other. We're all under him. 
The church is the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head of the body. That means that there is a living relationship between Christ and the church, even as there is a living relationship between my head and my body, and hopefully your head and your body. I hope they are connected together, okay? There must be a living relationship between your head and your body for everything to function. And the same thing with the church. There has to be a loving relationship between the head and the body for the thing to work. The word head refers both to source and authority. As the beginning of the church, Jesus is both the founder and the ruler of the church. And then as the head of the body, Jesus is also the firstborn among the dead. Listen, Jesus rose from the dead. He came back to life. And the wonderful and amazing fact is that after all these years, Jesus still hasn't died. He's still alive. Amen? He came back to life never to die again. He rose from the dead and he lives. We serve him as a risen Savior who is alive forever. Now, the resurrection of Christ is the basis of our life and our faith. Christ's resurrection is the base of our life and our faith. As I mentioned earlier, there is no church or Christian faith without Christ's resurrection. That, that is the gospel. That is the good news that we proclaim. Jesus is alive. Amen? However, the good news gets even better than that because Jesus not only rose from the dead, it says he's the firstborn from among the dead. And again, uh, uh, that means that we will be raised up from the dead too. Verse 15 told us that Christ is the firstborn over all creation. Now, verse 18 tells us that he's the firstborn from among the dead. Uh, Once again, remember, it doesn't mean that Jesus was the first one to rise from the dead. Because before Jesus, others had been risen from the dead. Jesus himself brought some people back from from the dead, remember? But what's the difference? That Jesus is supreme in his resurrection. Because when he came back from the dead, he didn't die again. Poor Lazarus was brought back from the dead, but he had to die again. And he'll be resurrected one day. And so the other people that Jesus rose from the dead. And so the people that died in the Old Testament and were brought back from the dead, they had to die again. Jesus rose, never to die again. And he's the firstborn of that kind of resurrection. Which means you and I, when we are resurrected from the dead or transformed, if he, when he comes back, we are still alive, we will never die again. We are going to share in his resurrection. He's the firstborn among the dead. It's a new thing for us too. Amen? Praise the Lord. So this is who Jesus is in relationship to the church. He's the head, supreme authority, and sustainer of the church. So, in relation to God, Jesus is the express image of God. In relation to creation, Jesus is creator, sustainer, and ruler of the universe. In relation to the church... Jesus is the head, life giver, and ultimate and supreme authority over the church. And then, Colossians 1.18 ends with a summary of this whole section. And he says that in all things, Jesus, he may have the preeminence, that he may be supreme. Christ's resurrection from the dead completes the picture. He is the firstborn over all creation. He is the firstborn from among the dead. 
He's supreme over the old creation. He's supreme over the new creation. Amen. Christ is supreme above the highest authority over all things. Amen. He is numero uno, number one, hallelujah. And you can't go higher than that. And he is our Lord and our Savior and our friend, amen? Think about it. No other person, leader, religion, philosophy, way of living, demon, Satan, power, or authority, nothing is higher than Jesus. Come on. You need to get that. We need to understand that. Because we're still falling the trap. Oh, that, you know, powers and demons. and Come on, nothing beats Jesus. You've got Jesus. You've got everything, man. Oh, ah. we'll have to bow down and give an account to Jesus. Those who think they have power today, who abuse their power and oppress people in the name of politics or ethics or worldview or religion, they will ultimately tumble and have to give an account to Jesus. Yeah, even Putin, yes. If he doesn't repent, man, he's got a lot of an account to give. <laughs> you see, all will have to bow down and give an account to Jesus. All will bow their knees to him one day and declare that he is Lord indeed. Some will bow down and confess with joy. And I will be one of those, and I trust you will be one of those as well. Amen? But some are going to bow down their knees and confess that Jesus is Lord was regretting their hearts because they ignored him. They never accepted his call. They turned their backs on Jesus. They hurt people. They hurt themselves. And one day they're going to realize, Jesus is Lord, and I rejected him. It's going to be a horrible day for them. And I pray that all of us here today, listening to this message, watching this message, sitting over here, that to each one of us, Jesus will be a friend that on that day we can bow our knees with joy and gladly declare Jesus is not only is Jesus Lord, he's my Lord. Hallelujah. Like old Thomas, you're my Lord and my Savior. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. So we'll come back to that phrase in verse 18, which says he is preeminent. Let's go on to verse 19 and 20. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and that by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him with the things on earth, with the things in heaven, have he made peace through the blood of his cross. God is reconciling the world through Jesus. The Father has placed everything in the hands of Jesus. And through Jesus, the world is being reconciled back to God. It's being restored to its original intent. Now, that doesn't seem right. Because when you look at the world today, it doesn't like, look like a world being restored. You see, the world may be corrupted. The world may be disordered. The world may be ravaged by sin, but God still loves it. And God intends for it to fulfill its destiny, the destiny for which the world was created, the earth, the universe. God wants the universe and the human beings in it to fulfill the destiny for, what, for which we were created. Sin has defaced the working creation. But Jesus came to undo the consequences of sin and to bring harmony in a universe out of harmony with God. In spite of the historical atrocities 
pain and abuse. We know and see around us. We see atrocities, pain and abuse right now going on around us. But God is working in the middle of all this to restore the earth. After all the exaltation of Christ and his supremacy in the previous verses, suddenly here comes a reference in this verse to Christ's blood and the cross in verse 20. And it kind of brings us down from the lofty heights and preeminence and the fullness of Christ to the reality and nasty depths of human pain and suffering and misery. These two words are combined to express cost and violence. Blood refers to death by violence. Jesus died a violent death. And the cross refers to the cost of humility and shame. The head of the church, the one who created everything, was shamefully and violently crucified. However, the last words of verse 20 affirm that God's ultimate purpose is not to judge and to destroy, but to reconcile and to renew, to make peace. Paul also uses blood to refer to the work of Christ's atoning sacrifice. The cross establishes a new relationship between God and humans, which overcomes the, 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 the rupture, the, the separation created by sin. That separation includes estrangement from God, estrangement from other humans, and estrangement from created things. You see, sin has separated Separated people from God, people from people, and people from the creation. Just look around at our world today. Isn't that what we see all around us? People far from God, separated from God. You know, people living for their own pleasure or, or greed or their own popularity or their own power. Breaking God's commandments and principles. People estranged from others. You read every day of xenophobic acts. You read of killings, of brutalities. You are following Russia's senseless war, senseless killings in Ukraine. You read of human trafficking, of abuse. I, I don't know if you have heard about it, but you know, in Ukraine's neighboring countries, people are, are receiving women and children and, and helping them. But unfortunately, now there are some people posing as pastors, receiving women and children, and then take them captive into trafficking, human trafficking. Come on! How low can we get as people? Sin separates people from people to the point we can do this to each other. Come on! And then sin separates us from creation. You don't have to be a scientist to see how estranged, how separated we have become from creation. People are living careless lives and don't care about the world, the environment they live in. You don't have to look up measurements of the ozone layer. And you don't have to watch videos of the pollution in the, in the sea. Just look around at your neighborhoods. See people dumping bags and cans and rubbish in the streets, anywhere. Sometimes two meters away from a rubbish bin, but it's too much trouble to go there. Just dump it in the street. Somebody's going to pick it up. Except that in some place it just piles up and nobody picks it up. Hmm? We become careless. People are estranged from creation. Don't care anymore about the world around them. 
You see, the work of Christ on the cross can overcome this separation and, and restore inner values and peace. But that peace can only be found now in his body, in Jesus. Nowhere else. It is not yet an accomplished fact. It hasn't been completely fulfilled yet. But God's purpose, God means, God's means and manner of making peace have already been established. It is through Jesus Christ alone. Those that have embraced Jesus and the cross are already experiencing that renewal. But the day is coming when Jesus will return, amen, (laughs) and the process will encompass the whole universe. There will be a judgment for those who have persisted in breaking down God's creation. We have persisted in turning their backs on God. We have persisted in turning their backs on their fellow human beings. There will be a judgment for those. And there will be a restoration of the earth as Jesus receives his ultimate inheritance of all things now completely under his rule. Satan having been judged and cast out forever. We have a living Savior and a living hope of a new heaven and a new earth. The final verses of this passage, Colossians 21, 1, 21 to 23. And now, you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, that now you have been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Note what Christ has done. We were enemies. Now through faith in Christ, we are reconciled. We are reconciled. He presents us to the Father as blameless and above reproach. That is not guilty of sin. Now you and I know that we're still guilty of sin. We are still in the process of being changed. We are not perfect yet. And yet Jesus presents us to the Father as, hey, this is Valdir. He is sinless. <laughs> Me, sinless. Can you believe it? Valdir, sinless. And that's how he presents you. If your faith is in him. So the question is, is your faith in him? Are you in Christ? Hallelujah. Because he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, we have to continue in the faith in Jesus. Endeavoring to follow him, to allow him to change us. But as long as we're in him, he presents us like this. Who benefits from what Christ did? Those who continue in the faith, not moved away from the hope of the gospel. What is the gospel? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And if you believe the gospel, then and we do according to verse 18 that you read earlier, if we believe in the gospel, then we'll do according to verse 18 that we read earlier, which is that Christ is preeminent. In other words, that Jesus may be first. When you believe in the gospel, then you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that he's alive today, Then you put him first. Okay? You want to check if you're a believer? You want to check if you're in Christ? Look at every area of your life. Is Jesus first? That's how you know. Amen? A living hope is not a philosophy. It's a person. We don't restore the world by following a political party or a philosophy or a bunch of religious rules. No. We are changed and we cause change by following a person, Jesus, by putting him first. Is he first in your life today? Is he first in your marriage? 
Is Jesus first in your relationships? Is Jesus first in your finances? Is Jesus first in your business, in your work, in your studies, in your career? We all have difficult times and challenges in our lives. When this happens, we often know the reason or reasons behind the challenges. Some are under our control, some are not. But if you're having ongoing difficulties in some areas of your life, you have no peace and you can find no solution, then maybe you should take a closer look at that area of your life and ask yourself, is Jesus first in this area of my life? Because it could be. Because Jesus is not first in that area of your life that has become such a major struggle. This Resurrection Sunday, today, let Jesus be your living hope. Let Jesus be the one that is first in your life. Your hope for the present and your hope for the future. Your hope for this life and your hope for the life after this life. It is true. That one day Jesus will return to reign and we will see the fullness of the restoration. But we don't have to wait until then. Jesus rose again to give us life, meaning and purpose now in this life too. Hallelujah. So, take time to realign your life today and to make Jesus the center of your life. I'm going to ask the worship group to come up because we're going to close the service just now with a song of worship again. Why should you live the Christ-centered life? Why am I asking you to take time to check your life and make sure that every area of your life is aligned with Jesus? He's the center of your life. Why should you live a Christ-centered life? Because Christ is supreme. Because Christ is at the center of all things. Because Christ is at the center of who God is. He is at the center of the universe. He is at the center of the church. Christ is central to all things because He is supreme over all things. What place does Christ have in your life? If Christ is supreme over all things, then He should be supreme in your life as well. The, the, the amazing thing, difficult to understand, is that as powerful as Christ is, He will not force Himself upon your life. He is supreme over creation. He is the image of God. He is the head of the church. But He will not force Himself to be number one in your life. That choice He gives to you. It's up to you to accept the invitation and say, Yes, Jesus, I accept you. I take my life, which you gave me, and which you sustain. <laughs> and which I'm selfishly holding on to, I take my life and I give it to you. Every area, Lord. It's, it's actually yours, so here it is. I'm, I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. And you let him lead you. Let him guide you. Let him be the one. If in any area of your life you are letting the world come first, take time now to repent, to confess to him. We are not putting him first. And make that choice today. Perhaps you've made, you have made a conscious choice, a decision to follow Jesus, Savior and Lord. Amen? But maybe some of you have not. So why not do it today? He's calling you this Resurrection Sunday to surrender your life to Him. In a simple prayer from your heart, you can just say, Lord Jesus, 
I believe that you died for my sins. That you were buried. And that you rose again according to scripture. I surrender my life to you. Forgive me. Give me a new life. Change me to be your follower. I want to learn more from you, Lord. Amen. Simple prayer like that can make all the difference in one's life. Putting Jesus first may not be the easiest choice, but it will be the one which will bring peace and life to you and sustain that peace and life. Thank you so much for being with us. Enjoy the rest of your Easter Sunday and uh, continue just worshiping the Lord. Spend a few more moments here. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us online. Thanks for being here. Let us pray. Oh, hallelujah. It is so good to know that we serve a risen Savior. It's so good to know that our hope is not in vain. Our hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And we serve a living hope, a living Christ. We have a living hope. Hallelujah. So we thank you, Lord, for this day, what it means to us, what we remember in this day. Thank you for your blessing upon everyone under the sound of my voice, here present, online, listening to this audio service. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. And now, may the love of God the Father the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit continue to be with you, shaping you, forming you, restoring you more and more until the day we see Him face to face. Amen and amen. God bless you. Amen.